Get personal with loyalty, where we're discussing using loyalty to deliver personalized, relevant customer experiences. I am your host, Erin Reese. Today, I'm here with Tom Peace from The Loyalty People. Tom has over 15 years experience working at the forefront of the loyalty industry. He brings expert knowledge in all forms of customer loyalty, including financial services, retail, F&B, travel, and FMCG sectors. Tom's experience covers the latest trends in loyalty, including paid for loyalty, card linking, real-time data analytics, and emotional and experiential loyalty techniques. As managing partner of the loyalty people, Tom has grown the business significantly over the last two years through a strong focus on growing the global community, as well as leading client engagements to create innovative customer strategies for their global clients. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Erin, and thanks very much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. So much great knowledge to share. Uh, This is going to be fun. Um, So you obviously you contributed to our um, recent trends and predictions piece. And so today we're going to dig into that a bit uh, and talk about what you're seeing in the space. Um, Let's start with where you sit. Uh, You were in the UK. You obviously are seeing what's happening there, but also in other uh, areas of Europe. My limited knowledge is there is a lot of there's certain trends that are are maybe consistent across the different regions but then uh but then there's really specific country kind of nuances too right yeah absolutely so um so yeah i mean the loyalty people we are a global business but we are europe based and most of our projects and our community are based here in europe and the middle east so we have a lot of exposure to all the different markets and i'd say you're absolutely right there are a lot of similar similarities across the region um but there are actually quite a lot of cultural differences and um and what different ways of implementing loyalty based on potentially some of the technology solutions that we that we have in different markets um you know give it just a few kind of um not to stereotype but just to give a few kind of um uh, examples based on certain areas of europe we definitely see that kind of the uk um, Italy, Spain, very forward thinking about their loyalty, a lot of points based programs, people in those regions love points. And um, Spain and Spain and the UK especially have a lot of big brands. So uh, brands like Decathlon and Zara um, uh, um, in, in Spain and in the UK, obviously lots of big coffee chains, big, um, big uh, fashion brands. And that isn't always the case in some of the markets. Most most markets have big grocery chains, but some markets across Europe, especially places like Italy, Germany, etc., they tend to have much more um, uh, manager-led or, or unique boutique type stores. So loyalty for those guys becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, and you know, there's there's different there's different need states by cultural level. So we all know that the Nordics very, very forward thinking in terms of their Scandinavian countries. They are very forward thinking in their adoption of technology and also very hot on sustainability and environment. So their programs tend to be quite technologically advanced, but are always talking to the consumer about those kind of environmental challenges and how loyalty can help 
shape that because that does drive loyalty to your brand if you can show a particular USP in that in that area. Um, and um, and yeah, I mean there the, there are a few different uh, differences in in terms of technology outlay. I think we'd come on to talk about card linking perhaps in the, later on in the conversation, but there are certain limitations within some european countries where they don't necessarily have the technology rails that other brands other countries rather do have and that limits the way that potentially they collect data uh, and that generates therefore a lot more usage of things like app or web-based um, loyalty programs which where data can be kept captured in a different way um, so yeah there's a lot of differences across across the the marketplace um, but there is also a lot of similarities. So obviously we are all kind of um, we are all kind of uh, in the same European mindset. And I think those emotional connections have a bigger part to play these days than perhaps they were in the past. I think in the past, people always look for discounts or points value or transactional connections of those types and now it's become much more about emotional connections so um overlaying a brand you just don't get on with with a points-based program just doesn't work anymore and actually it's more about um the service the convenience the price the quality um and also does this brand actually align with my view of the world so if you are if you are endorsing if you are endorsed sorry by by celebrities that the consumer doesn't like, that potentially becomes a reason to move on to a different brand. Um, and that there always, always has been the power of the brand, but I think within loyalty, um, it's even stronger these days. Yeah. I, I really like that. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, your, your points on, on service and convenience, when we think about a, a brand, they can think about, okay, um, maybe it's e-commerce. How do I make that process more streamlined or how do I keep consistent my in-store experience with my e-com experience? Yeah. But when you, how do you see it playing out in, in loyalty? How does, how does loyalty support that kind of, those kinds of activities? Perhaps? Great question. Well, actually, actually, I think, I think actually it's kind of the other way around. I think it's these days, it's more about how those features can support customer loyalty. And I think Amazon is the is the model that everyone talks about. And it's a great model for loyalty in that what they've done there, they've done two things which have driven loyalty. They've made it very, very convenient. Great app. Click, click the, all your cards, all your addresses. They're all saved. You just click what you want pick the address, pick your payment card, done. You've, you've ordered that product in three minutes. It will arrive tomorrow. Couldn't be more convenient. Um, yeah. And everything's on there. You know, we say in our house, if it's not on Amazon, it, it doesn't exist. Although that's perhaps becoming less true these days. But, and that is the model that people have in their mind. And, and you know, Amazon's not everywhere, especially across Europe. There are other players that do similar things, but the, the guys that are successful in that space do that sort of thing really well. And I think the grocers also do that very well, especially here in the UK. 
they will make that solution on online or through the app. That solution is very, very slick. So you can find the products you want. You potentially have a list of your most likely items, the most frequently bought items. You could save a shopping list, etc. You can pre-book potential delivery slots, all these sorts of things. And it just makes it super convenient. And also they'll give you lots of different price options. So you can match the product you want to the price that you can afford or that you want to pay or whatever it might be. So I I actually think that these things are becoming an element of customer loyalty more perhaps than they were. In the past, perhaps you would put up with a slightly higher price or a slightly more inconvenient route to travel or a hotel that's not quite in the place that you want to do it. You do all those things because you were earning points. But it's it that that feeling I think has diluted a little bit. People are now thinking, do I how badly do I really want those Avios points? Do I really want to do I really want to have a three hour stopover in Dubai if actually I can fly direct with Virgin? Do you know what? I think I'll just take the Virgin Atlantic flight. And I think people's convenience and time and quality, that all feeds in. So to answer your question, I think what loyalty program managers and loyalty brands need to do is really they need to have marketing right at the heart of loyalty loyalty can't be a separate department to marketing it can't be something that a brand manager manages off the edge of their desk actually loyalty starts first and foremost with all the other elements of your business that feed into why a consumer will purchase with you. So your your omni-channel engagement has to be aligned. You have to be super convenient. You have to be at the right price point. You have to deliver quality of service. And then if you get all those business critical things right, you can overlay that with some sort of loyalty program, whether that be subscription-based or points-based or AMR-based or discount-based or whatever the reward might be, and the communication strategy and the personalization, whatever all those things you want those to be, you can only build that across performance or performing um, critical business issues. You know, if your product is is overpriced or poor quality, your solution's not convenient, it doesn't matter what loyalty program you try to bolt across the top of that so yeah so what i would say is build build your loyalty at the heart of marketing and that really comes from understanding your consumer and talking to them about what they like from your brand (laughs) at the heart of marketing i i i love it It, and it, it it's it it's true and and i love everything that you said and consumers today our our time is such a currency for us and and it is really changing the dynamics of where we're buying and how we're buying. And, and I loved your example from a travel perspective. And I think it should be a wake up call for brands today who have had their loyalty initiatives on kind of, um, uh, I don't know my mom used to call it Mazda, you know, they're just kind of running at like one one pace and, and, and they haven't really looked to revamp it or make changes. And it really seems like now is the time that they're going to need to because people just aren't going to behave the same way that they were before. Correct. And and that is, I think there's loads of things feeding into that. I think there's kind of the, the digital revolution, people like Amazon, the grocers, all the brands, all the brands that really embrace that digital revolution, they have sharpened our expectation of service. Then there was, then there's obviously the pandemic, 
there's economic outlook there's lots of things that have happened in the last sort of 10 to 15 years that have really changed the way consumers think about the service that they get and i think it's it's also about the kind of global accessibility of everything so you know you can you can order and buy a car online if you want and it will just be delivered to your driveway as i as i actually have experienced Mm-hmm. literally new okay. car turns up and i had never driven anything like it before and that was it and that that, that experience pe- people are accepting of that and i think you know when digital i can remember sort of going back 15 years when people started buying groceries online and everyone was like yeah groceries is kind of okay but nobody's going to buy a microwave or a dishwasher or people want to see it and touch it and try it nobody nobody would ever buy a laptop online well look where we are now i think absolutely people do so that omni-channel engagement is very important yeah i i I love it great great example it's uh it's it's really understanding your customer and and delivering it and when you're thinking about so many people are talking about frictionless so how do you Mm. make the experience with less friction and you really like behind me, I've got the dare to dream. And that's really our theme for this year, because how can you think outside the box so far outside the box um, to make those differences? If you would have asked a car manufacturers or dealerships, if you could um, just order online and deliver it yeah. in person, they would tell you, no, that's never going to work. No, never going to work. Yeah. They've made it so easy and so seamless to do it. And, mm. and there is so much friction when you're buying from a, a dealer yeah. that it's... Uh, I'm surprised more people aren't flocking to to the other solution, but well, I I think the I think the, the there'll be a lot of people. I think you know the the way that as an anecdote around cars, I think a lot a lot of people buy cars. The the marketing of cars, you would believe that people buy it on performance and the look of the car and the experience of the car, but I think, and I'm not an auto guy, so I don't know, but I think most people buy on the price and the price they can they can read the specs and then if the price is good it might be more than the other guy but you're weighing that up against the benefits you're thinking okay this car's got all the features that i want and it's within my budget and it's i'm going to go for it and you just order it so i think that it that the the way that they are marketed through tv and magazine and everything you wouldn't believe that but i think actually it's quite a rational transactional thing for most people i know there are people out there that really love their cars but yes. most people <laughs> will be thinking okay I weigh up the cost versus the benefits that's the one i'll get it i'll just order it so yeah i think it's a it is absolutely a changing world and i think it's interesting but i i like what you're saying about um frictionless and i absolutely agree and loyalty if you've developed a really frictionless way of ordering and having your products delivered or reaching the consumer or or a really nice engagement in the store, you've done all that, but then your loyalty program adds friction. That's not necessarily a good thing, unless potentially we're talking about a kind of gamified route. And again, I think we'll talk about that a bit later. And I think there is an argument to say that at some point you need to add friction in, uh, but we'll discuss my thoughts and probably 
there are a myriad of loyalty program managers listening to this thinking, what on earth is this guy on about? But I'll explain and we'll see if they agree after I've explained what I mean. Well, well, I was thinking when you started to talk about frictionless that we talk about the card linked, but let's let's go to gamification. Let, let's go uh, there. No, because... I don't, uh, I'm okay to go to card linked, actually. We'll build up to gamification. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so you had mentioned that a little bit earlier, but I, I think that there's something when it, I think there's pros and cons to card linked. I think that that's something we're, yeah. we're going to want to dive into here. Uh, it's certainly a, a topic that we hear people using and it, it's coming from brands. It's coming from different people who are, are certainly inquiring about it, but is, is it the right move? Is it the right thing? And I think one of the things it does provide is once a consumer is set up with their card linking, then it is pretty frictionless. Mm. Um, yeah. But we're curious as to it may, maybe step back as to, and you could explain kind of what, what card linking is and does and and what the advantages would be yeah well okay so i've got a lot of experience with card linking i worked for a company called reward who who ran the card linking for royal bank of scotland group um which includes the uh, the natwest bank in the uk i think uh i think they're the either the biggest or the second biggest, I'm not sure, in, in the UK. And we also ran the card-linked offers for uh, Amex uh, in the UK. So loads of experience with this. Now, in the UK, it's, it works really well because the, the, the banks have access to that data for all the transactions that go through them um, and therefore that they can incentivize all the transactions that they see in particular retailers. So... A retailer or a merchant, it doesn't have to be a retailer, it could be a restaurant, hospitality, it could be all sorts. A merchant can activate, or, or, or not activate, but um, join the program and then activate offers for the consumers that are in that program. And this is massively advantageous for both uh, the financial institution, whether that be a bank or, or Amex. Massively great for those guys because it means that p- that brings that card to the top of their wallet that's the card that they will always use they don't they don't only use their amex for their holidays and things like that they use it all the time and that's exactly what amex want and it's great for the brands because they can access this data and create loyalty by targeting people based on their purchase behaviors and it hasn't really cost them as much as it would to build an entire loyalty program so if you are um a shoe shop let's say you're nike you could join the amex program wait to see people making purchases and then target them based on um based on the uh transactions that make, they, they make and as the the intermediary if you like reward what we could also do is we could look in the data and find people that buy brands like nike but don't buy nike and then send them offers to get them into nike and that's obviously again that's acquisition for nike so this this whole solution on the on the face of it this looks like an absolutely winning solution and it is um and i think where where it works for the banks is to bring that card to the front of wallet which is what they want 
but they obviously don't want people to use any other cards. They wouldn't allow anyone else to register those cards for another program. But again, this is an advantage for a retailer or a merchant. If a merchant was to set up their own card linking solution, they could say to people, well, you can load as many cards as you want. Load all your payment cards and you will never miss a transaction unless, of course, you pay cash. But who does that anymore? So, any, so you could load up all your cards in your wallet and any of those five or six cards that you use will be tracked and registered. So this does seem like an amazing solution for data capture, for quality of data. You could align it to uh, a loyalty program. If you're a merchant where you collect other data, you could link in uh, social media, you could do gamification, you could do lots of different things so that you supplement the purchase behavior information with your other um, types of data that you can collect. Where it falls down is unfortunately it is expensive. It is really expensive to run the tracking through the networks. And there is also a major issue in Europe in that not every country can do this. So where um, where the data is collected, so the data for a merchant, the data would be collected by the network. So Amex, MasterCard and, um, and Visa. And they in certain countries like France is a really good example. The way that the technology is set up is that they don't see that the right level of data. So card linking could not be run in France, and there are several other countries across Europe. So as we are at the minute, I think um, the Scandinavian countries and the UK, and I think Ireland, are all doing card linking. And there are a few other countries around Europe, I think Poland maybe, but some of the other major countries, France, Germany, Spain, Italy, it's not something I don't think that is 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 uh, available. I think um, where they have to do it there is as part of a banking program. So a merchant could still join a bank program because they obviously see the transactions, but it would be difficult for them to run it themselves. And there are a few um, banking programs in places like um, in places like Italy. There's a few banks that run that with a, 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 a partner called Datio who uh, are able to run the card linking. So, yeah, so they're the kind of pros and cons of card linking. Um, so, I'm sorry, go can on, I ask a question? question? So if, um, what, what is, so is the, is the advantage of card linking versus using like an email or phone number identifier, the, because it's faster and easier, maybe more cost effective to set up? Is, is that what I'm hearing? Uh, well, not necessarily more cost effective because the tracking the fees for tracking are significant. Oh, it's expensive. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's ex that's the part that's expensive, and you would still nil. You'd still also need to build an app and a, get a data a CDP for your data and get a loyalty engine. You'd still need all those bits, and then your tracking is on top. Um, what is the the advantage really is that you collect all the card data and you collect gr very granular data, so you get time of time of day day of week you get transactional value you get some really very strong um, um triggers that you can work to uh, going back to nike nike might not really care about day of week or time of day but a hospitality brand a travel brand they would really care about that so that level of yeah, data is really yeah. interesting to a lot of brands um, but again, it's a little bit expensive. Uh, the other thing is it's seamless that the, we get back to that frictionlessness, frictionlessness. We'll go with that if that's a word. Um, but that 
that is really powerful from a customer point of view. So all I've got to do is register my Amex, register my debit card, whatever, and then I can use any of those and all my data is collected. That isn't true for a program that relies on mobile number or email or uh, another plastic card. I could go in, I go into Sainsbury's, if I don't scan my next card, I don't, that transaction is lost to me. Um, so that is where the card linking has a major advantage. But again, it's the fees, etc., and the availability across Europe, and there's other reasons to, um, to, 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 to not do that particular method. However, what's coming now is open banking. So open banking is the solution because this is much, much, much low cost. The actual transaction tracking is free under GDPR. So you can, if you can write an API that connects to Barclays Bank and I give you permission to see my data, then that happens. There is an onus then on the merchant to set up the APIs, but there are there are systems integrators that can help with that solution. And that, I think, is where the card linking will move away. It will still essentially be card linking, but it will move away from the guys that have previously done the um, the connections, the, the link to all the transactions with the networks, et cetera, and fed it through to the merchant. That won't necessarily need to be done in that way because it will be done through an open banking uh, solution. And, uh, and open banking is basically says, or GDPR says that I own my data. So if I say to Nike, I want you to see all my transactions, then the bank provides that information to Nike and then they can target me. And there are a few, again, there are a few issues. I think we, we have, I think we're at 90 days now, but I have to, I have to let the bank know every 90 days that I want that service to continue. Uh, so I sign up the first time and then after a while I will get a message that says, okay, are you sure you want to continue doing this? And I renew it. Now, okay, so people, you just people, auto set those triggers then. Make yeah, well, you have to click, but you'll, you'll just get a message, an email or a text or something, you click it and it just renews. I don't have to go through the process of renewing it, but I do have to let the bank know that I still want to do that. And I think that that might have moved out to slightly longer than 90 days now, but I, I'm not an expert on that. Um, however, people are getting more and more used to doing this because it's becoming it's becoming a thing and it's really becoming a thing more in B2B. So as a business owner, I have connected my um, my business bank to my accountancy platform and it's working in the exactly the same way. So every 90 days or so, I get a message from my bank saying, oh, this fine, this accountancy package zero is trying to connect to your Starling bank. And I will say, oh, yeah, I'll allow that to happen because I know that's safe and it's something that I've been doing for years. So I'm doing it more on a professional basis and i think it's just starting to creep in and i think people are a bit more savvy about how these things work and i think it will just become much more mainstream and people will start to do it and when that happens when when companies feel comfortable that people won't see this as some sort of scam they won't be worried about allowing nike to see their data their banking data when people get a bit more um bit more comfortable with that then it will become much more mainstream and then i think loyalty programs can really use this to accelerate they can start to see 
when people buy and what they buy and what their behaviors are and all that and they can supplement that into other data that they find and and because of that loyalty will become very very personalized and very enriched and i look forward to it because i think it's a really good solution but i think it will take a few years to 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 sort of mold through very interesting it it seems like there's a couple of things um i mean i like the the timestamp and all that in theory getting the the transaction information transaction log into i don't know a loyalty provider in theory you would have that information as well uh yeah well you would have it you would have it if they uh yeah if if you're running a traditional program and they're shopping in your store yeah you would have that okay. but and then then where this is more interesting is potentially getting Maybe out other additional outside information, and also working with the banks. In the Nike example you gave, um, potentially Nike would at least maybe learn what the share of wallet is of that they're getting from me. Potentially, is that part yeah, of the potentially. Yeah, because yeah, that depending on depending on the level of access of data that you're willing to share, they could absolutely see that. Yeah. I think that's priceless to be able to know, yeah, right? Exactly. So like if you're thinking about a restaurant, how how often are they visiting me versus um, the competitor or the competitive set? And, and then am I able to move that through my yeah. uh, it, loyalty it, it, strategy or, or my gamification? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, gamification, personalization, communication, everything. So for example, at the minute, a brand couldn't tell. Maybe you go two or three times a week, you go in a coffee shop. They don't know that you live there or you work there. Whereas if they were able to see more transactions, they would be, They might be able to say, well, there's absolutely no point inviting this person to come on a Saturday and Sunday because they live 40 miles away. And this building up this this transactional information, you can heat map people, you can geographically map people, you can do lots of different things based on time of day, location. There's all sorts that you could feed in uh, geo pings on the mobile app. You could do all sorts of things that are very, very sophisticated and clever. And I think that's where I'd like to see loyalty go. And I'm sure that loyalty will go. And I think the banks are in the best place at the minute to drive that forward because they've already got the data. But merchants will start to gather that data as well through open banking and start to do really sophisticated programs too. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Things I didn't right. know. <laughs> yeah. It's a very big brother, oh, but uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Always great chatting with you. All right. Um, love that. So now we we already kind of did the prelude to the gamification conversation. We'd love to mm. switch gears and and go and and, and hear. Um, it, let's dig into that. Uh, certainly. Where I, I sit in the U.S., U.S. companies don't seem to be doing a whole lot from a gamification perspective. I think it's woven into programs maybe surgically. I'm certainly seeing and hearing about more in Europe from anything from like spin and win type things to um, maybe more sophisticated, at least consideration of gamification. And um, would love to hear what you're seeing, what your take on that is. Yeah. So I think I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, we see a lot of this around the world and especially in Europe, maybe where we're doing the, the sorts of the sorts of gamification are what I would call quite simple games. So you mentioned spin to the, spin to win type things um, are, are, are great for driving um, engagement. 
um, sort of surprise and delight, little wins and things like that. We also see things like, um, you know, the, the traditional stamp card type program, but through a digital means. So we will track you if you buy 10 coffees this month, we will give you a free cake. Or, and it's, this, it's basically a stamp card type game. Or programs that do things like, oh, you only need 10,000 more air miles to get to the diamond level. And these, these sorts of things are, it is games. Uh, it's, I can't say it isn't. Um, and it is, it, 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 what it's doing, it's doing one of two things. It's either trying to drive um, frequency and value of sale. So it's trying to get people to do a bit more shopping with that particular brand in a time bound scenario. Or what it's trying to do is for brands that are shopped very infrequently, it's getting the the person to interact with the brand when they're not actually shopping. So a restaurant, for example, you might only eat out at the, one of a, a restaurant in your town. You might only go there two or three times a year. But if they can get you to interact with the brand through an app or a game or, or some other way of interacting they are learning about you and they are keeping their brand front of mind and i think that's really where brands are trying to get to and it is evolving and brands are starting to get it right and they're starting to make things a bit more engaging and a bit more involved and a bit more difficult um and that this is where we get back to what we're saying right at the start of the, of the podcast around um, uh, around do we want friction so if you make a game difficult you cause friction now as program managers as loyalty program managers we've been taught for years to take the friction out of the engagement and that is right and true you should but if we think about the gaming industry what the gaming industry whether we think about like video game type gaming or or gambling type gaming they actually make things difficult to achieve it's easy to grasp but it's difficult to master that's the that's the key especially in video gaming that is what they talk about it should be easy you should be able to pick up the game and start playing immediately but it should be difficult to get really good at and the reason they do that is it's about the psychology of gaming and it's about the psychology of achievement you are trying to get people to work quite hard to defeat that end of level baddie if you like in a gaming parlance um and that people have to try it and try it and try it and try it and buy that and they get frustrated and then they do it and they love the feeling of achievement is enormous and going back to um going back to a, 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 a an example i was using previously about fortnite so fortnite is this global phenomenon this computer game phenomenon and loads of different brands have kind of started to copy this format where it's entirely free you could play it for years and years for free and some some of the people playing it do invest they they invest in making their character look different or um different upgrades and things like that i'm not going to delve too much into that because i'm not a player but um uh, i don't know exactly what they do other than i know that my son spent all his birthday money making his character look like the terminator or something like that which seemed pointless to me but i'm not a gamer um but that this game is free but it and it is easy to play it is easy to pick up and try and get good at but it is quite difficult to master the the concept of the game is 100 people from around the world are dropped on an island and you've got to win the game by surviving till the end and there's loads of ways to kill the other opposition uh, and to win the game, 
against a hundred random people around the world is tough. My son's been playing it years. I think he's won two or three times. Um, but it's easy. But that and that level of achievement, that le- that feeling of winning that he got from those two or three wins was immense, and that has made him so loyal to that game. He plays it more than any other game out there, to the detriment of the other games that we've bought him and invested in. But that has created this loyalty. Now, what I would really like to see in loyalty is brands creating experiences or engagements or games that are hard that are really hard it takes bravery it takes investment it takes time if you do that i think you you the brands can create a really strong feeling of loyalty with that brand but those challenges have to kind of escalate and it's difficult to kind of imagine how that will work um I haven't got the answer myself, but if we're going to get into, if we're going to make gaming in loyalty as as successful as it has been in video gaming or gambling, that is where we kind of have to take it. So we have, um, going on the gambling route, we have um, a thing which is really quite big here in the uh, in the UK called an ACA. Everyone talks about, I'm going to, I'm going to do an ACA. An ACA basically stands for accumulator. So you might bet on three or four results. You might say um, Arsenal Football Club are going to draw, Brighton are going to win, Manchester United are going to lose, and Nottingham Forest are going to win. And if all four come in, you win big. But all four have to come in. So th- and this is fun. Like you get the first three right, you are you are then so invested in this game that you have no interest in other than if it goes your way you're going to it might be two teams you've never watched before you've no interest in it all but if that result comes in you're going to win a, a load of money and that off a very small stake and that this acker is just a way for for people to kind of enjoy games that perhaps they wouldn't necessarily they've got a feeling for oh, i think i know who's going to win that one but actually they don't really care other than the acker um and this is another way that gaming has made things challenging and accumulating and full of friction and but has also made it quite an achievement to get it right and i don't think we're necessarily seeing that yet in loyalty and i like i say i don't know what the answer is myself i can't think of anything in particular but is there a way that loyalty programs could have these kind of escalating achievements where the win is massive um, and like I say, it's not all bad. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. There are it, we're getting there. We're, we're there's a uh, the the grocery retailer in the UK, ASDA. They have created a, a cashback type program where you can um, you can earn boost your cashback by finding and buying certain products that have like gold stamps. So this is a bit gamey um, and it's fun and it's rewarding. But it's not necessarily escalating. These products aren't hard to find. They're just on the shelves. So maybe there's maybe there's something there. But I think brands are getting there. We're getting there. But I would, if we can create the loyalty equivalent of an Acker or the loyalty equivalent of a Fortnite, that is the holy grail. Um, and one could argue actually that Fortnite is essentially a loyalty program, but. That we're pushing it a bit really it's a video game let's face it but yeah i've talked i've talked and talked and talked there but that's what i think well, i mean by adding the friction back into loyalty no i i really like that and as you were talking i was thinking it's like almost um 
there's the, the one size fits all kind of spin and win, just engagement. You build some excitement. Yeah. There might be some value there just to get your brain and yeah. your brain, your brand yeah, in front is. of uh, exactly. customers. And, and maybe there's a little bit of data collection you can get there. Yeah, but absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that more, at all. Yeah. But then to create more of what were you saying earlier, the, the share of heart. Oh that yes, that's right. Yeah. I should have, yeah, I mean, I think the share of heart really is 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 absolutely going back to the Fortnite type model. So, of all the games that my son has, Fortnite is the one that he just plays the most. He just loves it, and you know, you, you say to him, "Oh, did you win?" No, no, never, no, no, I haven't won one for months. He might come top ten, like last ten people alive on the island or whatever, but it doesn't seem to matter because he 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 loves to win. But even if he doesn't win, he just enjoys the chase, and um, and and yeah, I think that's the psychology of it. I think yeah, yeah, and I think it's a, it's almost like maybe he's creating more of a an exclusive approach to to it, and then the people that are interested or you because you create some excitement around oh, what could this be. And then you get your invite and, and and then you can begin to maybe move into some of those stages. Because to me, it also seems like not everybody, not all of your customers are going to want to, to participate in the challenge. So you're going to have to find that Correct, or, or yeah. attract that segment that you that, that does, um, th- those people that are curious and excitable and like the challenge and, and, and you get yeah. it right as it aligns with your brand. Absolutely, and and you know you don't you, you don't necessarily have to have one challenge fits all. You can have lots of multiple challenges and just see who 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 interacts with what. And I also think that you haven't even got to get if your goal is to learn and engage and um and and kind of entertain the consumer. They don't even need to get to the end. They don't ever have to win if it's engaging enough. I think Ted would still be as engaged in Fortnite, even if he never won one he has mm-hmm. won a few but i think that's the that's the key is to um is to engage people and collect data and learn and it's just as good it, they don't even need to win yeah yeah i i love it. it 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 certainly gives us a lot to to think about about how, how to do that and and how to and, and i like the point that done right Friction is a good thing in the right place with yep. the right carrot. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And being able to truly engage these people because, to, and then I'm sure your son is talking to all of his friends about his Fortnite experience and where he is and what yeah. he's doing. And, and that's the whole piece. It's probably a topic for another conversation is the advocacy and having people that just have great experiences shopping with you is one thing, but if you can get them engaged at a level where they are competing or driving toward this particular goal, it's a whole nother ball game. Cause to your point, it becomes kind of an obsession and they're very, very focused on it. So it, it's something that's going to be uh, that they're going to be thinking about and talking about all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can, I don't, I don't, I don't think you really can aim to create advocacy. What you do is you aim to please your consumer and that creates advocacy. Uh, Obviously you can do kind of referral schemes and that works at bringing new people in, but it's not really advocacy. 
but yeah if you if you are getting it totally right for your consumer that will create its own advocacy totally um but yeah i think uh, i think we're getting there and i think that brands will i think we'll probably start to see potentially experts moving into loyalty from other sectors such as gaming that will really help us out um and we'll start to move into an uh, into an engagement where people aren't necessarily even buying they're just um interacting with the brand in a way that they find really fun and that develops a kind of level of achievement and actually i think there's some technology solutions that are going to help here around web3 and blockchain and nft and things like that and i think that's maybe where that comes into loyalty that will help in terms of the gamification you know we hear about things like okay could you could you do something with Nike and then get an NFT of a trainer that you design? And that's a unique mm-hmm. NFT. You can do what you want with that. You could trade it. You could keep it forever. You can do whatever you want with it. But that is a unique thing. Now, that could be the achievement. So what yeah. would you have to do to get people to kind of compete, if you like, or engage to win their own self-designed nike nft trainer what could you do with people to get them to that point would it be certain exercises certain club events certain things i don't know but these are sort of things where you could say to somebody join a running club run 50 miles this quarter and you get your nft Mm -hmm. and that this is this is some someone's like i really want that self-designed trainer and then they are going on those runs and they're getting to 50 miles uh and i don't know tie it in with strava or there's ways and means nike can have that one for free if they want to pick that one up but i'm sure they're ahead of me on this (laughs) but yeah but yeah i think that that's a a really great way to to you know help us end this conversation is they're what is that hook? What can you do? And and I do agree that the NFTs and uh, is a really great uh, potential answer to to drawing people in. Yeah. It's um, and creating some of that exclusivity and that elite feeling and um, all of that plays into what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that elite feeling. That is exactly it. So we used to have that. I think we do have this still. But, um, uh, you know, pe- people that would be in that diamond level, that platinum level of their loyalty program, especially an air miles or a hotel program, you know, they would talk about, oh, I've, I am a platinum British Airways member or whatever it might be. They, they, that, that is still there, that elite feeling. And how do we use gamification to create that for more people? Because there are not that many people in that level of Avios. Um, so how do, we, how do we use NFTs, use gamification, use engagement to create that on a bit more of a mass scale? Well, almost like a personal mass scale. Yeah, uh, exactly. So you yeah. can do it by segment. So what's going to motivate me is going to be different than what motivates you. And you yeah, exactly. can begin to get more one-to-one at scale with like that too. So yeah, we can probably tap into another conversation. <laughs> but, well, yeah, yeah exactly. I'll, I'll say, we'll, yeah. Say, we'll save that one for next time. But I think, uh, you know, a sports brand is one, to, it, that's easy to think about in terms of, okay, well, 
Nike could do it for runners, for footballers, for golfers, for yeah, and that's then getting down to, and then they could do it for golfers in England and golfers in Essex and whatever, and it starts to get a bit more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. Well, wow, this yeah. is uh, this has been phenomenal. Thank you, Tom, for your time and and My sharing pleasure. all of your your insight and brilliance. I would definitely have to do this again because <laughs> there's so much more yeah. we could talk about. Yeah, of course. Really appreciate Love it. As we're as we close down, um, any any last thoughts or advice for anybody that you'd like to share? Listen to your customer. Or this, the one thing you can do, whether you're whether you're thinking about gamification or loyalty or innovation or anything that you're doing, talk to your customer. Do research, speak to them, find out what you what they think is your usp what your consumer thinks is your usp is not always what the business thinks is their usp so talk to your consumers segment them talk to the different types of people in your brand and always bring that to the heart and you you you, you won't go wrong if you if you talk to your consumer you will not get it wrong great great advice thank you uh, right. then one last thing where do if people want to connect with you how do they do that Sure. So um, the best way is to go on our website. So um, the website is www.theloyaltypeople.global. You on there, you can subscribe to our newsletter, or if you want to email through to us, yeah, there is a. This is on the website too, but they can contact us on Let's Talk at theloyaltypeople.global. Thank you so much. It's such a My pleasure, pleasure. Tom. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Get Personal with Loyalty. Join us next time for more loyalty insights. Until then, dare to dream. Let Annex Cloud help make your dreams a reality. Visit AnnexCloud.com. See you soon.